0: welcome to the bill barnwell show i am bill barnwell today joining me to talk about the nfl but very specifically for most of this conversation the team he covers the miami dolphins it's a friend of mine someone whose work i really respect and really enjoy or i should say did enjoy until last week when during my debut (laughs) on around the horn a path was cleared for me to win to celebrate one of the greatest days of my life. This man whooped me in hey, the Final Hey, Welcome segment. to the league,
1: rookie. <laughs> welcome to the league, man. That's uh no, it's 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 awesome to have, have you on the show, man. Like it's uh, I'm glad that I'm not the new guy anymore. I think there's been like <laughs> three new people even since you hopped in, so you're not even the rookie anymore. But uh, we got a good class here, you know, us two, Kevin Clark. Um uh, mm-hmm. I can't say say the name that is coming up uh, the next rookie because I think we we like to keep it a secret. But we do have a debut coming at the end of the week. So, you know, everybody be on the lookout for that person. I'm not even going to give a designation, man, woman. Yeah, that person is making a debut.
0: Could be a robot, for all we know. Not sure. Could be be AI. Could be Alan Alan Iverson.
1: Chat A-T-H. Making its debut.
0: (laughs) I love, I love Jack Th. Such a good bit. Um, (laughs) Joining me is my friend Marcel Louis Jacques Marcel. How are you, sir?
1: Very good, man. Very good. Uh, Bill's Dolphins week is always a fun week for me. It's always the busiest week of any fifty-two weeks Mm -hmm. of the year. But uh, it is, it's fun, busy. You know, it's it's a fun matchup. Obviously, both fan bases. I've got ties to both teams, both mm-hmm. fan bases, and they let me hear it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 always, especially the games that are in Buffalo. I, mm-hmm. I was telling my, my girlfriend, Haley, about it. It's going to be one of those trips where, like, I sit down at 5.45 a.m. on the plane and just, like, kind of, like, collapse and sink <laughs> in. Like, I just, like, breathe out for the first time in five days. But it's going to be a sprint until then
0: of course i mean you are our former bills writer you're now the dolphins writer for us at espn covered both those teams at a high level and they've both been really interesting when you were with the bills of course we had the josh allen breakout he turned into a superstar last year to a tango vialoa, and this dolphins offense gets off to a great start they have a very topsy turvy season and then on top of all that heading into dolphins bills week we get the sort of performance that leads you, Marcel, to say on the pre-show on Around the Horn that this Dolphins offense could be the greatest offense <laughs> we have ever seen. And after watching that game last week, that doesn't feel like hyperbole. Give me your feelings about just sitting there and watching that game, seeing how that was going on. Like, like was there a moment where you were just like, oh my God, this is actually happening? Like, Like, what was the... What was that moment for you where it shifted from like, oh, this is a blowout to, oh, this is an all-time game I will remember for an extremely long time? <laughs>
1: you know, it, it's it's funny because like, kind of started off as a joke, right? So their second touchdown of the game, uh, Tua Tongo Bailoa does the no-look shovel pass with his right hand. Um, you We want it technically offhand, but he also technically is right-handed, so that was like his dominant hand, but semantics there. He, he scores, and I see the replay and tweet it out, trying to be funny. I was like, oh, the Dolphins might drop 50 today. And I undersold it. <laughs> I undersold it, Bill. Like, they, they didn't just drop. They dropped 50 in the third quarter. Like, that was uh, – it, it went from, like, okay, they're doing whatever they want. Oh, they're really doing whatever they want. Oh, my God, this could get bad. To like, it it actually became, like, funny. We're, like, laughing in the box because, like, because of the absurdity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Devon a. Chain breaks off a 70 yard run. Chris Brooks goes for 54 yards. Bonus points to you. If y'all can tell me where Chris Brooks went to college, undrafted free agent, you know, they're, they are getting to the bottom of the, of the active roster right now and telling them go have some, go, go run some meaningful stats. And they're breaking off 50 plus yard games. Robbie Anderson with a 70 yard touchdown. It was just like, I, I couldn't believe what I'm seeing. And like I have seen a beatdown like this before. I've been part of a beatdown like this before. My high school team, my sophomore year, we lost seventy-one to zero to the best team in our in our district. Look, it, it was it was bad. It was bad. I was listening to the radio the next day, and they're they're uh, reading off the high school scores, and somebody calls, oh, no. and oh my goodness, this ridiculous <laughs> score, Backville Christian 71-0 over Valley Christian. Oh man, that's kind of embarrassing. And I had to turn off the radio. I'm sitting there with my mom, like. My head hung in the passenger seat, but like, that's kind of what it feels like when somebody drops 70 on you. I can empathize with the Broncos here, but it, it it's just, it's absurd because, like, you know, like, I, I don't feel like it's possible to overreact to this. You know what I'm saying? It's not like they won like 49 to zero or like even 56 to, to zero or 35 to zero. Like, this is 70 points. This is 726 yards of offense. Like, I, I don't think any, like we we haven't seen that before. Nobody here has seen that before. Like so, it, it's it's. It, there's no such thing as an overreaction. Like Tony asked me for my hottest take, so that I, it's a pretty hot take that they're the greatest offense of all time. But like, I would argue it's probably the greatest offensive performance of all time, and I I stand firm behind that.
0: You should. It not only was it 70, but it was 70 where they called off the dogs on the final drive they could have kept scoring and and kneeled on the football on fourth down and the, the scores you brought up are what makes this so interesting to me because like you know I've, I've seen Tua play awesome I've seen Tyreek Hill break down teams me at 200 yards week one um you know he, he I've seen that that combination of Tua Tyreek and Waddle wreak havoc on opposing defenses but you get to the fourth quarter of this game, Two is on the sidelines, Kyrie Kill is on the sidelines, Jalen Waddell didn't play in this game because of a concussion. Like the, the players, the guys who are supposed to be the, the, the players who are so talented and have such great chemistry that they just are undefendable at their best. They're all on the sidelines. And the Dolphins still ran for 140 yards and scored 21 points. <laughs> what can you do?
1: man like it, it, right. it got to a point where you know there's there's the argument like did the Broncos quit uh toward the end and you know some of the tackling some of the effort uh, it, it did look a little it did look a little suspect mm-hmm. but like how hard do you have to quit to give up 10 touchdowns man like to some point like they were overmatched I, I actually i went into the game thinking like Mike McDaniels has been cooking a little bit to start the season like i think that Sean Payton and he just kind of represents a different era of coaching. I think it, it might be a tad, but maybe it's a touch archaic to 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 be one. Touch archaic. I had a feeling he was gonna get cooked on Saturday. I had a feeling. I didn't know it was gonna be by fifty, but like I thought a two touchdown <laughs> I thought a two touchdown win for, for Miami, a two score win for Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh especially without Jalen Waddle. But like they didn't even miss Jalen Waddle. Like that passing game, no. it was just it was Dink and dive, dink and dive. Outside of the 54 yarder to Tyreek and the 67, I think to to or 64 to Robbie Chosen, like Tua didn't average that. I think he averaged like five air yards per per attempt yesterday. Like it wasn't exactly the great, the best game for the for the anti Yak crowd, for the the crowd that defends Tua against <laughs> the Yak allegations. Like that wasn't the best example of it, but like Tyreek Hill had. Maybe the quietest 157 yard, nine catch game yes. in NFL history. He was he dominated that secondary despite you know Patrick Sertend the second um, you know supposedly shadowing. I don't think that shadow actually happened, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I I digress. 350 rushing yards and 350 passing yards. It's it's never been done. It's never been done in the same game. So like I really don't think there's a cap on how good this Dolphins offense could be. Because like you said, they throttle back. It could have been 73. It could have been 73. They could have maybe taken some shots at the end zone. I personally think it's more disrespectful to kneel out (laughs) instead of kicking a field goal in that situation. Because you're just telling them, I could be beating you worse, but I'm choosing not to. You're welcome. And then walking out of that stadium.
0: The thing I put in my column is, do you remember, did you play Mortal Kombat at all when you were a kid?
1: Oh, yeah. Not well but I played
0: it. So, well, me too. But like one of the world combats had the friendship instead of the fatality. Where like the the you know, the the, 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 get, the match is over, you can like do a fatality instead of you just do a friendship and like hug them. That's what the the dolphins felt like. Yeah, I I, I, I could finish you off right now, but I, I'm just gonna give you. A... <laughs> that was good. That was good. Um, like like you know like like you're you're right though. I mean this was a team that that they could do whatever they wanted throughout that game and and like you said it wasn't like they were throwing 50-yard bombs they were making it look easy on the ground they were making it look easy with their blocking the, the thing that everyone maligns about this Dolphins offense the offensive line it looked like they were having a field day like it was there were so many times in this game where, where I on the all 22 afterwards and i watch a run play and there were like three offensive linemen at the second level blocking linebackers like it it, it felt like they were playing out what the playbook drew for, for run plays. Like they were, they were so overwhelming and that's not an emotion. That's not an experience I usually get from the Dolphins offensive line.
1: No, it's not. And you know, it, it's kind of odd because there wasn't, it's not like there's wide, wide scale change to this unit. Um, really the only difference between this unit and and in last year's is swapping Liam Eikenberg out for Isaiah Wynn. But, like, they're banking on a lot. They're banking on, you know, if we keep at least four of these starters together, four of our best five from last year together, the continuity will help. They changed offensive line coaches. uh, Butch Berry, a little more experienced at this level than Matt Applebaum, so that offensive coordinator Frank Smith could shift his focus away from the offensive line and help more with the offense as a whole. And, And, you know, that's a change that a lot of people... Should probably be talking about more because uh, it's it's a major sideline difference between this year and last year. Uh, but mostly, the man like they're just playing well. Like it's sometimes, like that's sometimes it's really that simple. They play well. You have a good showing there in week one. That confidence helps kind of propel you forward. And now they're playing to a level where it's like we feel like we can keep Tua's Jersey clean for as long as we need to keep it clean. And speaking of two, like he he also he also has impacted the cleanliness of his Jersey, right? Like his, the rarity in which he has been hit this season, he's getting the ball out faster than anybody in the league right now. So it's a combination of, you know, good offensive line play of Tua getting the ball out quickly of receivers getting open. Cause he hasn't had to progress past his first read very often. And like, who I can't, it's hard to blame him it's hard to blame him for not progressing through his reads when the first one is always open. Like, why would you, why not? Like, that's, that's what you play the game for. Right. So like, he hasn't had to yet. Like it's just this like perfect recipe of football success being concocted in Miami. And then Mike McDaniel is, you know, is cooking it to perfection. He's like Emerald back there. I'm sure Emerald can cook a cake, can bake a cake. I'm I'm positive of it actually.
0: Yes, no doubt Emerald. Uh, if, if needed. Could bake as well in addition to making uh various Cajun style dishes. That's funny. It's like a, it's like a, a Cajun chef, right? i Think I think so. I think he's just he transcends food. So I, uh, I just know emerald I don't know what he's
1: famous yeah. for. Yeah, you know, it's like a like the average that's fair. like yeah. the average person knows who Derek Jeter is, but probably can't like rattle off any sort of stat line for him if they don't know baseball. You know, what right?
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like he would see his face and be like, "Oh, of course, that's Derek Jeter." Um, no, for sure i i really think you know given how much of the conversation this offseason was about you know can Tua stay healthy can he avoid the hits he's he's taken jujitsu he's like you know like like, like like this is the inevitability the dolphins are going to have to confront i believe he's been knocked down five times in three games which is the the fewest hits in all of the national football league so far this season and that's a testament to the offensive architecture that te- testament to the offensive line and and like, like you said attempt to to a getting the ball out so quickly but here's my difficult question for you marcel through three games you've watched this team play they were incredible last week they were good against the patriots but only scored 24 points if there is a weakness for this offense in the past we'd always say the offensive line was the weakness now that looks like it might be a strength if there is a weakness to this offense beyond to a getting hurt which obviously you know it just in terms of the you know assuming injury taking injuries off the table is there a structural or schematic weakness you think this offense has that defenses might be able to exploit a little more than they have for the first three weeks of the season
1: if there is we haven't seen it if there is we just we haven't seen it um uh, the weakness could be maybe you know, if, uh, if Tua tries to bite off a little more than he can chew, uh, we've seen that on a handful of passes this season. Uh, you know, only two have been intercepted. There have been a handful where it's like, ah, you know, maybe that was a little overboard. Oh, you probably didn't need to do that right now. You didn't need to force that there. Uh, but, like, if you're talking about – if your best chance at beating an offense is relying on relying on it to beat itself, you're talking about something special. Like you're you're talking about a pretty special unit. And I think that's kind of where they are right now. It's like you have to you have to hope, you know, Tua has two has got an off day, has an off day. Maybe tired legs for some reason or another. Maybe he just doesn't have it. We saw it last year against the 49ers. Like he saw the field really well. He just couldn't throw. It didn't didn't really make sense. It was throws that we'd seen him make all season and he just was missing. So like that that and I guess maybe there's only one ball. Does that count as a weakness? There's only only one ball. Uh, There's four. There are four running backs in that room right now who have all proven that they deserve play time uh, at one point or another in their career. Like I I don't know what they're going to do with. I don't know what the plan is with Jeff Wilson when he comes back. I talked to him in the locker room the other day. He said that he's feeling good. He's going to be ready in two weeks. Two weeks of you know two weeks of 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 Devon H. And I don't know what role. I don't know what role exists and, and Jeff Wilson was pretty good for them last year like he deserves some play time but like Raheem Mostert's running the ball like a like a lead back like an A1 back and we see if it's possible for a 205 yard performance from HN like you can't just leave him off the field Savon uh, mm-hmm. Achman had a great summer there's no world in which you could put Savon Achman back on the field now so like it, it it's one mm-hmm. of those I guess your problem is dividing the play time like maybe if you you it's possible mm-hmm. to overthink by trying to rotate guys in like that, but like it, it's if they could do this, if they could do something like that without Jalen Waddle on the field, without the threat of Jalen Waddle on the field, when teams know like okay Tyreek is option one, two, and three, and they still let him go for 160 yards, I I don't I don't know how to find a weakness. And granted, you know there's a little bit of recency bias in there. It's it's hard to identify a weakness a few days after a team goes for 720 yards. Like of course they looked perfect, but they did whatever they want against the Chargers as well. They did whatever they wanted for the most part against the Patriots. It's, it's not like, you know, this was just out of the blue is all I'm saying. It's not like this was random.
0: Can you imagine how frustrating it must've been if you're Jeff Wilson, like you're, you're on the sideline. Every single running back on the roster is eating. There's huge holes. Everyone's going for 50 yard gains. Like, you're injured, you can't play. It just must be so frustrating to sit there and be like, I, I would have 150 yards in this game if I was playing.
1: Yeah, like he he probably would have. He would've definitely would have cracked 100 total yards. Like, I think the scary thing though about the the HN and Mostert tandem, like I use binoculars in the press box. I don't have eagle eyes. Like I I have corrective lenses and I use I use binoculars so like i'm not saying i am the most sharp-eyed person up there but bill like it got to a point i couldn't tell the difference between hand running and most of running and i think that that is actually kind of scary i think it's kind of scary because that means you have two physical runners you have two physical runners who are also sub four four guys like they run the ball in the same exact style like it's you you can't just like say Oh, okay, like a chance in the game. Or, oh, that's Achman. That's not most. Like, it's probably a passing down here. Like, it, you you can't differentiate based on who's on the field. They can do the same basic things. There's no break. There's no break. Imagine being tired and your reward in the fourth quarter after playing, you know, 55, 60 snaps on defense. Your reward is another guy that runs the yes. four-two.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs>
1: muster it up especially if you're playing in miami and it's hot and and humid Mm -hmm. and it's just it's not a fun it's not a fun experience i don't think for a defense and like i know that with every word i say here if any player on the buffalo bills or any member of the buffalo bills social team is listening to this like it's got the opportunity to create some sort of locker room bulletin board material but like Mm -hmm. dude i i think the bills have been susceptible in the past to big plays Mm -hmm. big catch and run plays big plays on the ground like I don't think anybody thinks that they're just going to take the top off of Buffalo's defense but like there is serious concern I think that a a slant can turn into a 60-yard touchdown or that you know Marie Mostert who had 136 yards against them in December and didn't play in the playoff game that Marie Mostert can break through to the second level and take off like there's they're not invincible. The defense is is excellent, but like that is maybe the one area over the past several years that the bills have been susceptible to giving up big plays is on those catch and runs and just straight up on the ground.
0: Mm -hmm. Derek Henry had a a long run against the bills for a long score as well. Um, I mean, I think you're hundred percent correct. I, I, to be clear, don't put me on the bulletin board. Uh, (laughs) Marcel is the only one that belongs on the bulletin board. Uh, but, no, I mean, you're right, though. And, like, like that is a – that is the sort of one playability that it feels like the Dolphins have more than anybody else in football, and the Bills at this point don't. Like, the Bills had that at one point where they could, you know, like, I thought like Josh Allen could hit anybody, any spot on the field for a touchdown at any time. And they had real breakaway speed at running back. They had – They had, you know, they had players who were like, Gabe Davis being, you know, maybe the wide receiver, but they had players who and an offense that was going to create touchdown opportunities every single drive. You could not rest. And that has not been the case the last year, really, uh, for the Bills. Like we've seen teams go to a lot more of the two high coverages. The Bills have not necessarily had answers with Ken Dorsey. The offense has been good. And it was good last week very good last week but it has not been as explosive as it was maybe the year last year you were there and certainly not as explosive as the dolphins offense and i think that could be a difference in this game right you know it's going to be closer i don't think anybody expects the dolphins to drop 70. that will be we, we will have a that that will be a topic for conversation if the dolphins drop 70 on the bills in this game but you know if this game is close that Dolphins ability to spring a long touchdown on any single play might be the difference.
1: It it might be, I mean, football games, NFL games in general, come down to what, like three, four plays already. Uh, It's not like they haven't been able to break off big games against, against Buffalo over the past couple of years. I think Jalen Waddle had like a 70 yard touchdown in Buffalo uh, last year, Uh, the game in Buffalo that ended in, I think a, game-winning buzzer beater field goal by tyler bass to win the game it that was actually that was funny like the that was there was supposed to be this like massive snowstorm that game right and the snow never came until the fourth quarter it just started pummeling the ground and like it was like a power-up for for the bills and uh all of a sudden they erased this like eight point deficit score 11 unanswered i think in the last eight minutes of the game to win but like I, I I digress a little bit. I digress a little bit. We we have just the big play. It, it's hard to be reliant on the big play, right? Like that's kind of like an unsustainable model for 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 an offense to to base itself on. But that's where that's what makes the Dolphins kind of special and unique in that, like these aren't just like a bunch of pace merchants. You know what I mean? Like they don't to borrow its term from Europe. These they're not pace merchants. They're not guys who just they're they're fast and that's it. Like, these are really good football players who also run four 340-yard dashes. Yes. So, like, the routes are going to be crisp. Like, they're going to be able to set you up. They're going to be able to do some damage after the catch. They're going to catch the ball to begin with. Like, there's just... It, it's, there's so many ways that they can hurt you. And then the scary thing now is, like, they're not just relying on big passing plays to get by. They've proved on the ground that they can do the same.
0: Mm-hmm. No question. I mean, they are... A much more complete offense than they were a year ago on the defensive side of the ball it almost feels like you have to give them an incomplete because there's been no Jalen ramsey and frankly last week they could have played seven players on defense they still would have won the game but they are 21st in points allowed per game so far and they had trouble in week one it really came down to you know a stop on that final drive um creating some pressure on justin herbert with a couple sacks to help to really sort of seal a a shootout game. So on the defensive side of the ball, which is going to be tested by the Bills this week, what have you liked so far? What's impressed you for Miami under Vic Fangio so far?
1: Well, I I can appreciate just kind of like the change in philosophy. I think for the past couple of years, this has been a blitz-heavy, man-heavy team. Um, And that's just not really the case anymore. I think Vic actually tries to make a point not to have to blitz. Or, you know, not to have to manufacture pressure, but to be able to just get it naturally. But uh, I've appreciated the coverage as well. The downfield coverage without Jalen Ramsey, you kind of assumed, like, okay, no Jalen. They still have Z- Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard, they still got Kader Kohu. Like, still have Javon Holland. There should be, they should be okay in the secondary. But uh, I, I think, like, we've seen Kohu step his game up to another level um, after a pretty impressive uh, undrafted rookie season our rookie season as an undrafted free agent uh, Javon Holland possibly has been the best safety in football through three weeks, Um, you know, in in terms of not just being like a center fielder, but being a turnover creator, you know, I think he's got, he had two forced fumbles on Sunday alone. So, uh, you know, two forced fumbles on Sunday alone. And I don't believe that those are that's his first forced turnover of the season as well. It's escaping me right now off the top of my head. Uh, like this, this team is is able to cover, and they're getting they're getting pressure. I mean, they pressured Russell Wilson twenty times yesterday and on Sunday, and it, it's not like again, it's not like they're just dialing up. They're not hit dialing up cover zero every play. They're not just running engage eight, you know, every every play. This isn't like some sort of manufactured Madden defense. Like I think like that that alone has been uh, that alone has been impressive. They've gotten good linebacker play out of. An unexpected name in Andrew Van Ginkle, who uh, was a terror against the New England Patriots in week two. And, you know, he continued to play well uh, Sunday against the Broncos. They actually, they were trying to move him to inside linebacker this summer. They did move him to inside linebacker this summer. And he had had to, you know, bounce back onto the edge, out to the edge uh, in week two with Jalen Phillips hurt and was dominant, was dominant. So I think he's an edge. I think he's an outside backer again. But, um, you know, just like kind of like unheralded names have been playing exceptionally well. And, uh, you know, that's what's impressed. Uh, That run defense against the Chargers was alarming. I believe 230 rushing yards allowed. It's not something that is not something a good defense does. But it wouldn't be the first time that a, you know, an above average defense had an outlying performance, like an outlier performance in the wrong direction. So, like, I think they've cleaned it up. Over the past two weeks. And, uh, you know, they're going to get a test this week against, you know, outside of Lamar Jackson, probably the best mobile threat at quarterback in the NFL right now, and a much improved ground game. That's which is an element, you know, we're talking about the Dolphins improving their run game. Like this, this, or this Bills offense has, I don't think, ever had this good of a ground game behind Josh mm-hmm. Allen since he's gotten to Western New York.
0: Mm hmm. I agree. And that's what I was going to ask you. Um, you know, obviously we've seen the Dolphins get hit by the running game before. Do you think the Bills if given the opportunity, if given a bunch of light boxes, if given, you know, a defense that's going to dare them to run the football, do you think they'll they'll take the cheese and run? Or do you think they're just so committed to Josh Allen and so committed to throwing the football that they that they will try and throw even if running might be the better option?
1: I I don't think so because like the the way to win the game or the way to limit this Dolphins offense, the easiest way is obviously to keep them off the field. And what keeps an offense off the field is controlling the clock and controlling the game on the ground. So like, if that's what they're getting, if that is available to them, if James Cook is finding holes, if Damon Harris is finding holes and Latavius Murray is pushing the pile in short yardage situations, then why? Yeah, why would you go? Why would you go away from that, especially when? you know, you can still technically run the ball when Josh Allen drops back to pass. Like, I don't think he's been as prone to scrambling as he has in the years past this year. But, like, the, the threat is obviously – the threat is obviously still there. Uh, I'm just – you know, I, I, I'm curious, and not just from, you know, a schematic standpoint. What I'm really watching for, though, with Josh Allen against the Dolphins defense is, like, when does that moment happen? There's There's been constantly – it seems like every time they play – there is a moment where Josh Allen loses his head a little bit. And I don't mean like he, he does a, you know, it's a head scratching play or a bad interception. Like, I mean like a personal foul call. I mean like starting a brawl. It's not his fault 100%. You know, Bills fans, I could feel them typing up, you know, their, their angry tweet, their angry Christian Wilkins tweet. Christian Wilkins provokes the hell out of him every time they play. It, it, you can't deny it anymore. He is Josh Allen's Joker. I've said it before, I'll say it again. He's Josh Allen's Joker. Joker doesn't always win. Rarely wins. And that's been the case. Dolphins are, I think, one and eight in their last nine against the Bills. Rarely wins. But forces Batman to break character a handful of times and fairly easily. And that is something Christian Wilkins has excelled at. And so, again, we talked about these games come down to, right, like three, four plays. If one of them is Josh Allen, you know, kind of losing his temper and drawing a 15-yard penalty, Like we saw in Miami a couple last year, like that could be that could be impactful in a game that shouldn't be that should be a one score victory for one team or the other. So like I'm I'm, I am interested in that. Like it's again, you think it's unsustainable to rely on that if you're if you're the Dolphins, and it's a little unethical to rely on that if you're the Dolphins. But hey, man, rivalry is a rivalry.
0: Absolutely. Now, I wouldn't normally do this, but because. You did beat me around the horn. I'm going to make you do the thing that I know you're not going to want to do. I wouldn't want to do. Who wins this game? Oh boy! I and and, that was and, and who wins this game? And and why do they win this game? Man,
1: um, you know my my head my head says Buffalo because the game is it's close. The teams are closely matched up. Um, it's a good defense, and the game is in. Buffalo, but my gut says the dolphins and I'm going to go with my gut here. I I got dolphins again, one score win. I don't expect it to be a blowout. That's just simply not how, that's not how these games, uh, that's not how these games work. But uh, I think the offense is doing whatever it wants right now. I don't think anybody has come up with a counter for it yet. I don't think that that counter is coming anytime, particularly soon. Uh, I know like they're, they're probably going to draw some parallels to to last season When you know in in week four, even before Tua was injured, like it's not like they were just marching up and down the field. I think the difference is that was a short week as well. Like they're coming into a short week against the Bengals, and then like kind of things sort of unraveled from there. It took the league a long time to catch up to Mike McDaniel last year. It, It realistically, when they're at full straight, it wasn't until December that defenses really started figuring out, you know, okay, disrupt the timing, pressure them at the line of scrimmage, so on and so forth. I don't think that that counter has come quite yet. I don't think it's coming quite yet. And this, their proficiency on the ground, it, it forces a defense. It, it forces the defense to play. Honestly, you can't, you know, you can't stack the box because the weapons they have outside, you can't go light boxes because most and a chain might score another eight touchdowns on you. And it's crazy. Cause that's not an exaggeration, right? Like they, they literally right. scored eight touchdowns <laughs> against the Broncos. Right. Like eight is like a number. I, I like to say like when I'm exaggerating and, that was, quite, that was quite literal back then. But, uh, yeah, I think there's just – there's simply too much. I think there's too much firepower right now. Um, I respect – and I still think that those are, are a good team. dude. It's not like the – like, I didn't see week one and say it's over for them. But, like, I think that, uh, you know, NFL is the NFL, man. Anybody can win it on any given day. But uh, they're still one of the best teams in the NFC, one of the best teams in the NFL. I just – I kind of think that the Dolphins are the best team in the NFL. Because again, like I'm not, I'm not over. I don't think I'm overreacting to the 70 points. Like like I said before, I don't think you can overreact to 70 points and 700 yards. But like, it didn't come out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, if the let me if the Panthers if the Panthers <laughs> yeah. scored 70 points with 700 yards, I'm not going to say that's the best offense ever. I'm not going to say that's Mm -hmm. one of the best offenses that I wouldn't even call them the best offense in the league because it would be Mm -hmm. out of the blue. It'd be random. This wasn't particularly random. This wasn't particularly random. Like the dolphins have been, have been marching up the field whenever they want, Uh, you know, it's, they had 530 yards against the chargers, the other 400 against a pretty good, a good Patriots defense in Foxborough. Like, They've been putting up the numbers. This was just kind of like a a perfect storm, but not not an absurd storm to think about, like not an out-of-the-question storm to think about.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I think the the, the point there is really valid. You know, like this is put it this way, if, if I if before heading into week three, if I had said, Hey Marcel, I went into the future and one NFL team scores 70 points this week. The Dolphins would have been probably the first team, maybe the second team. You would have guessed, not like you would have guessed twenty five teams, and then you would have guessed the Dolphins.
1: Yeah, like it would be. I I I think I would have probably guessed them first. I agree. Maybe and maybe Kansas City one. Them one, they're one and two either way. Like whatever order. Like those are the first two teams that you are. Uh, those are the first two teams that you're guessing.
0: Right, and 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 that that's warranted at this point. The Dolphins belong in that tier, maybe just with the Chiefs, where it feels like anything is possible for them on offense in any week. And frankly, you know, for the Chiefs, like that's a lifetime achievement award for Patrick Mahomes. It's not like the offense has been incredible so far this season, but for the Dolphins, that is not just a what they did last year, but also what they've done so far this season as well. Um wanted to hit a couple of general NFL questions before we get you out of here. And one of them was about uh, where you sort of put the the Dolphins and, and and where you put the teams around the Dolphins. And it feels like through three weeks, and please correct me if you don't think this is true for you, it feels like the 3-3 three, three undefeated teams, the, the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Niners are widely considered the three best teams in football. And I'm not, you know, you can rank them however you want. I think the Dolphins have a very credible case to be number one. Niners have a case as well. Eagles, I think, have not been on that level, but just my opinion. But outside of the undefeated team, Marcel, who do you think is the best two and one team right now?
1: Uh, I mean, we did just see the Chiefs drop what was it, forty-one fifty on the
0: on the Bears, though
1: on the Bears. But like, it's still forty
0: in front of Taylor Swift.
1: It wasn't in front of in front of Taylor Swift, but like they like. I, I the point is like that offense can still hum. That offense can still hum. They did, but like. They did have trouble, you know. More that I think about it, they had trouble with the Jags, and the Jags just got torn up by the Texans. So, like by some sort of transitive property, the Texans might be better than the Chiefs. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> don't take me seriously, people. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm spitballing there. Uh, that is a, that's a tough one uh, because like there's always there's there's kind of like a glaring question mark about every all of these two and one teams like you look at the bills obviously that that jets game like i'm mean, that's not who they are but like you you can see their floor and the floor is not very pretty um the cowboys again like just got dominated by the arizona cardinals here in their first game without trevon diggs uh the chiefs again, they, you know look pretty mortal against the jaguars obviously lost to the lions but no travis kelsey got no Travis Kelsey that help that that's a contributing factor. It, it's really hard to say, but I I'm actually gonna I'm gonna stick with the Cowboys. I'm gonna stick with the Cowboys here. Them and the Bills are pretty neck and neck. Um, I like the Cowboys' ability to get to the quarterback a little bit more. Um, I like any defense that has Michael Parsons on it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that offense is like a little bit has just a little bit more to it than. Uh, then Buffalo, I think it's just a little bit more versatile than Buffalo, although Buffalo does unquestionably have the better quarterback. I don't think that you can mm-hmm. go wrong if you're choosing between the Bills and the Cowboys, like to be clear. Like, it's like, I, I if you, you can make an argument for either team, and I'd say, yeah, okay. Like, I'm not going to like fight mm-hmm. and battle with you, but like, if it's, if we're splitting hairs here, um, I just, I like the Cowboys defense a little more, despite the showing against the Cardinals. I think that was, that's a wake up call. That's something that, like, if you see it in September, it doesn't, it doesn't scare you as much, just like with the Bills, like a performance against the Jets. It doesn't scare you as much in September as it would in like November or December.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it feels like, you know, there's some recency bias with the fact that the Cowboys just lost on Sunday, whereas the Bills sort of ugly loss was week one. Like if the, if the Cowboys had lost to the Cardinals in week one, would have been a week of, of television. Everyone have said, oh, the Cowboys suck. And then the next two weeks they would have blown out. Uh, you know, a couple other teams and we would have been like, wow, well they they ride of the ship. They look great, you know, they're they're dominating. Um whereas the Bills, their ugly loss was week one. Last week they come out and and just blow out the commanders really, really from, you know, a complete not not compared to the Dolphins beating the Broncos, but you know, a comprehensive victory for the Bills was well, not pretty. I went back and watched it I'm watched I was writing about Sam Howell for this week and Sam Howell was in hell for the entirety of that game. Poor guy was overwhelmed by the Bills' defense. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you're 100% correct. I-, I think I would consider throwing the Seahawks in there because I feel like they have been so impressive on offense the past couple weeks. I still think the defense maybe you know, has to figure some stuff out. Getting Jamal Adams back this week will hopefully help them. Having Devon Witherspoon on the roster after he was out week one has helped, but... um. I think there's still, you know, a pretty wide chasm between even the Cowboys and the Bills, and and those teams at the top of the NFL right now.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. But so you're telling me that we're not going to consider the Indianapolis Colts and in the as <laughs> as, a, as one of the better two and one teams in the in the NFL, or or the Saints.
0: No, first <laughs> place, first place, AFC South, Indianapolis Colts. Oh I my mean, God. you know what?
1: Dumpster fire division.
0: You know what? I know a lot. I know a few people who would not have expected the Colts to win two games this year without Jonathan Taylor. So that's fair. Starting off two and one, even if it's the even if it's the Bears where they started off two and one and then they lose every other game the rest of the year, at least they had that hot start. At least they beat the Ravens. Who, um, what a frustrating game that was!
1: Frustrating What a frustrating season already. Just to suffer the injuries that they they did in, in, in week one. Uh, you know, losing J.K. Dobbins, Ronnie Statham is he, hurt as well. Like it's like God, even though I think Odell was hurt. Uh, this past game, it's just it's so frustrating to see. But like that's like kind of like the mo for the Ravens and the Chargers. Like they just always suffer these major injuries to to their key stars. It, it, it's just you hate to see it for them. But uh, right, yeah. No, I I I think like it's I think it's fair that that trio of of Buffalo. Uh, buffalo dallas and kansas city with dallas and buffalo i i I put them like i put them like in a touch like a tad above KC right now yep but they're still in the same basic tier
0: they're still in the same zip code for sure i agree wholeheartedly um one more question for you and we'll finish up here marcel and this is an open-ended question so you can be as curt and short as you would like, or you can be as expansive as you would like. What should the Jets do at quarterback?
1: You know, I, I initially thought like, oh, why would they not call like, why would they not call the Saints about Jameis Winston? Yep. Like clearly, I don't know how much Jameis factors into New Orleans future plans if they go out and, and get Derek Carr this offseason. And then they, they do still have Taysom Hill to play quarterback in a pinch if need be. Like, why not? Like, I think that would be a perfect guy for this offense. Just somebody who is going to try to put points up on the board, right? But I, I, I've said it, you know, a couple times on around the horn now. Like, the rest of the NFL does not exist to service the New York Jets. So, <laughs> like the Jets, the Jets even calling about your backup quarterback is a reminder of how important having a good backup quarterback is. Yes. Right? Like, I'm like, wait, wait, am I, won't I not put myself in the same position you're in if I trade you this guy? (laughs) So it's tough. I think, you know, the, and and there's been a couple rumors. I don't even know if they count as rumors, man. Like, I think it's just, you know, on certain platforms, this has been floated out there that they could trade for Kirk Cousins. You know, if the Vikings decide, okay, like we are, we're all in three. It's time to, it's time to pull the plug. Mm-hmm. But the thing about that for the Vikings is, is like I don't, they don't have like that somebody waiting in the wings, right? Like they don't, their quarterback of the future is not on their roster currently. They don't have somebody where they're like, oh, I want to see more of him. We should give him a chance at at a starting job. Like I don't think it's worth alienating the fan base and therefore losing money for a season. So like I, it's hard for me to see, it's hard for me to see that as a possibility. But there is a team who the quarterback of their future is probably on the roster. They're not very good right now and could stand apart ways with their starter. That's the Tennessee Titans.
0: Mm -hmm. I think
1: Ryan Tannehill, he's not a a world beater by chance. Like he's, I don't think like that Ryan Tannehill makes you the Super Bowl favorite, but I think it makes them a playoff team before things Mm -hmm. get too out of control. I think it makes them a playoff team or playoff contender. Uh, it's is somebody like, who can, at the very least, keep an offense on the field. He can at least go get you some points. He can at least throw the ball to a receiver that is supposed to be open and anticipate <laughs> uh, anticipate windows. It's not Zach Wilson. Like at, at this point, Robert Sala, I think, feels like there's nothing he can do. And to an extent, like there is with the roster as currently constructed. But like at some point, like you just can't be playing. You can't play Zach Wilson anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. at some point, even if you don't have a better option, you don't think you have a better option, like, you have to put him down because at this point, you look like you're rewarding bad behavior and you're excusing bad behavior and bad play. So, like, I don't – he said something the other day that, like, Zach is much improved. Well, he's still the worst quarterback in the NFL. (laughs) So, like, who cares? Like, if you improved from – it's like, you know, bringing your grades home and, like, you got, like, a 35% – on the test and the next test you get a 37 (laughs) percent like yeah okay you improved (laughs) but like you're still failing you're still failing
0: right Uh, i here's my only concern marcel and i'm not going to say qbr is a be all end all it is not a perfect metric but zach wilson is 33rd in the nfl in qbr right now do you know who is 32nd in the nfl in qbr it's ryan Tannehill.
1: Oh, Ryan Tannehill. Ooh. Ryan I like, Tannehill. It, this has to be a trick question. That's good.
0: <laughs> it was a trick question. But I'm that's my only concern is if you're the Jets, like I, I understand you have to try and do something to save your season, especially given how lofty the expectations were for your fans before the year. But I just wonder if you're throwing good money after bad money if you go and trade for a Ryan Tannehill or Kirk Cousins, where you look at their teams and Kirk Cousins, Vikings are not struggling because of the offense, but like the Vikings are 0 three, Tennessee is one and two, and they've looked terrible. They were awful against the Browns. And I'm not blaming the quarterbacks for those issues, but you look at this Jets team and they have not run the ball effectively since week one. They have one very talented receiver. And then a few guys who are friends with Aaron Rodgers. The offensive line is a mess. They already lost Dwayne Brown to IR, Uh, Mekhi Beckins had to move to left tackle. They've been giving up plenty of hits. Zach Wilson has not helped, but the offensive line is not playing great football now by any means. I, I just, I sort of wonder, like, as constructed, even with Kirk Cousins, like, let's say they trade for Kirk Cousins in week five. Like, do you think they have enough to be a serious playoff contender, given how good the top of the AFC is?
1: And like when I, I define playoff contender as somebody who can contend for a playoff spot, so like sure. yeah, I think that they are. I think they can contend for a playoff spot. I think there's enough talent on this defense alone to keep them in games, as we've seen. Like the, their defense is keeping them in games. They just need a small push from their offense. It's, it's not even with Tannehill with Kirk Cousins. Like I like what you said. Like the group of the group of pass catchers is not advanced enough to be a top tier, a high-end offense, um, not without Rodgers and not without not without Rodgers and not without a willingness to commit to the run game, which has been kind of baffling. But like, I, I feel mm-hmm. like Tannehill is, while he's not, like I said, it's not going to make them a Super Bowl favorite or maybe even a Super Bowl contender, but it can get you the playoffs. And then from there, you know, anything can happen. But he is just good enough that if you rely on your ground game, he can find a spot or two throughout a game. You know, he's going to average probably like 215, 220 passing yards a game. That's better than 140 that Zach Wilson is, is, is putting up. <laughs> like it's better than, it's better. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's something that like gets them back on the same level. I don't think there's a move that gets them back on the same level as they were at when they had Rogers, but it, it, it's at least better. It, 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 it makes people think that your offense could possibly score when they're on the field, Mm -hmm. you know, on a scale between, uh, you know, the dolphins where it's like, they probably score to right now the jets where they're not scoring whatsoever. Like it it puts them a little bit above the, the seller there, but it takes them out the seller a little bit. So like, it it just, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of, there's not many, there's not many moves that they could possibly make, especially now that the retired (laughs) guys aren't coming out of retirement. Like, Shoot, man. Like we saw J. Cole post Colin Kaepernick's letter to Joe Douglas. Like, why not? Like, this is somebody who actually wants to go play for the Jets. Like, why not? Man, go see what go see what's up. Go kick the tires. But like the other rumors, like Matt Ryan, are you joking? (laughs) He doesn't even want to come out. But like, are you serious? You put out a call to Matt Ryan? Phil Rivers maybe has a couple throws in him. (laughs) But I know I didn't hear somebody say Ben Roethlisberger. Oh no. like, if these are the names we're talking, you're talking about, Cam Newton, Robert Griffin III, like, there's not like a, there is not like a, a steady surplus of available quarterbacks right now. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, like, it's it just, it's not a good look right now. And, you know, they put all their eggs into the Aaron Rodgers basket. I don't think many people blame them in real time. Like, it's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty right now. You put all your eggs in the basket broke. Mm -hmm. It sucks, man. No one expected it. Nobody likes it this early in the season. You hate it. It is what it is, though. You're burnt.
0: Right. 100%. And we can sit here and say, hey, they should have had a better quarterback than Zach Wilson backing up Aaron Rodgers just in case something happened. But too late for that now. Um, Marcel, you're back in my good graces after destroying (laughs) me on Around the Horn. You gave me... 50 minutes of great podcast content. Where can people check out your coverage of this upcoming game and, in general, all the stuff you're doing here at ESPN?
1: Yeah, you know, I'll check my Twitter or X account at Marcel underscore LJ. Or if you just want the work and none of the me, you can go to ESPN.com's Miami Dolphins team page, go to NFL, go to Teams, click on the Dolphins. All my content is there, Sans Opinion um uh, you know if maybe I'm not very funny to you but you're interested in what I have to say that's a my personal recommendations got some uh, a couple things coming out this week obviously in preparation for the game uh including a preview with our bills writer Elena Getzenberg, Elena Getsenberg mm-hmm. um that should be dropping on Friday so uh you know exciting week here uh catch me on around the horn on Friday as well and uh on ESPN daily so like I mean I'll I'm inevitable this week, man. It's it's Bill's Dolphins week. Like, there's no there's no escaping me, unfortunately, for (laughs) y'all.
0: I appreciate it. Thanks for giving us the time, Marcel. Of course. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no Competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8-S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8-S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Right, thanks so much to Marcel Louis-Jacques. And like I said last week, going to add something here at the end that's been on my mind. Don't have a name for the segment so far. We'll give that some thought. But I wanted to talk about something that, I've had conversations with, with friends of mine, people in the media, just friends of mine who follow football. And something that I found very frustrating about the conversation about the Chargers after last week's win over the Vikings, there's a just a major gap between what decisions were made at the end of the game and what the outcomes for those decisions should be. So Brandon Staley went for it on fourth and one against the Vikings. It was, I believe, 28-24. It was a four-point lead. It was fourth and one, minute and 47 seconds to go. The Vikings out of timeouts and the ball on the Chargers 24-yard line. And I've I've heard plenty of people, I believe my, my friend, my colleague, Dominique Foxworth said it on, on our taping Sunday night. Other people I've heard as well have said Brandon Staley would have been fired if the Chargers had lost that game because of what he decided at the end of the game. And that seems crazy to me from multiple levels. And I'll start with the simple one, which is given that scenario, 4th and 1, minute 47 to go, Vikings out of timeouts, Chargers 24-yard line, four-point lead, you win the game if you get a yard. And I will tell you, I have not seen every single team's analytical model I have not seen every single team's win expectancy chart i can say with confidence that this would be a go on every single model that comes out there if you only need one yard to win the game you're going to convert that now common thing i hear when teams go forward and forth and one and they fail and the, the Chargers very much failed in this play is, I liked the decision, but the play call was terrible. And I did not like the play call. But again, that's not Brandon Staley's play call. Like, yes, Brandon Staley makes the decision to go forward and fourth and one. But the play call is from Kellen Moore, who I think Kellen Moore is a great offensive coordinator. He's done an excellent job so far in Los Angeles. I, I just, I didn't like this one play call. That happens. If you feel like the Chargers should have fired Brandon Staley after deciding to go for it and failing, if you thought that decision was so bad that he should have been fired, are you really going to not fire him because the Chargers tipped a ball twice into the air and that had them win the game that they came up with a miraculous last second interception? Does that make Brandon Staley's decision better? It, it shouldn't. That's crazy that you would let that miraculous play that has nothing to do with Brandon Staley's decision decide whether Brandon Staley is the best coach for your football team. In general, I, I think the people grumbling, and I'm, I brought up Dominique. Dominique's not one of these people, so I don't want to criticize Dominique. But in general, there are people who grumble, oh, Brandon Staley, aggressiveness, analytics, blah, 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 blah. Those people generally aren't paying attention. He was 13th in the NFL in aggressiveness index last year per uh the former football outsiders, that is not particularly high. It's not like the the twenty twenty one Brandon Staley is still around. He's been much more conservative since the start of the twenty twenty two season. He did i believe against the browns last year. go for it in this situation and fail, but that is a a very reasonable call to make, even if you don't get it. It, it is the right decision for your football team so if you're going to be critical of Brandon Staley, and I think he deserves criticism, I think you have to be critical about the defense, because that is the problem with this football team right now. They've been very sloppy so far this season with penalties. Of course, they've had injuries because they're the Chargers, and the Chargers always have injuries. But the additions they've made with J.C. Jackson in free agency, Khalil Mack via trade, um, the defensive tackles they've brought in to, to stop the run have not panned out. This defense still has the same flaws they had a few years ago. They're not good stopping the run. They're inconsistent against the pass. They don't take away big plays when that's supposed to be the hallmark of this defense. That has not panned out. And if you want to eventually fire Brandon Staley because he's a defensive-minded coach and the defense is not playing well, well, that is a fair argument. But firing him because of his fourth-down decisions when he's making a call that every single team in the National Football League should be making. is foolish. All right, we have more audio coming next week. Um, Plenty of football to discuss, and maybe we'll even have another 70-point performance to talk about if if your team if you're a beat writer free spn and your team scores 70 points you are coming on this podcast so hope you guys enjoyed marcel who i think is awesome even though he did beat me on around the horn and we'll have more audio coming next week here on the bill barnwell show